Hello there, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I am your host, Key, and I am joined by Deck and Claudia with a K. On today's episode, we wanted to talk about the Little Mermaid remake that's been out recently. This show will be a little bit different because I have not seen this, so I will be asking my two co-hosts about their thoughts from when they went to see it. Let's see it. Sure. So, let's kick it off a bit about the story. The Little Mermaid is a classical tale. Would anyone care to summarize it? Yeah, I can jump in here. So, it's it's a typical Disney adventure family movie filled with fantasy, mythological creatures submerged in colourful and surrealistic sea world. Except for the bits that happen on the land, of course. Uh, but it is a story which I'm sure a lot of us remember from childhood about a young mermaid, Ariel, who is longing to know the world beyond, above the sea. Um, a story that shows the extremes of following one's passions and dreams. And even if it means striking a deal with evil sea witch Ursula, who I'm sure a lot of us know, uh, to get a pair of legs to experience walking through, what's that word? Streets. Feel fire. Burn. And essentially take the handsome prince, Eric, whom we just fished out of a sinking ship, listen to, listen to some local tunes and go for a bit of boogie. Now, what's, um, what's that word again? Dancing. So, this is another one of Disney's live action remakes. Has there been any changes to this story that could maybe cover new topics or themes for this updated age? Uh, yes, indeed, there has been a few tweaks uh, to the original story. So I'm going to dive right into it. So starting with Ariel, Ariel's sisters, they have a bit of more on-screen time. So as you may recall, in the original, we meet um, Ariel's six sisters. So bear with me on that. I'm wor warming up my vocals while I'm trying to name them. So Atina, Alana, Adela, Aquata, Arista and Adriana. Anyway, we see the sisters uh, at the beginning as they are performing Sebastian's masterpiece in the original one. So together, the sisters represent the seven seas. In the live action one, Ariel's sisters are renamed. So uh, Karina, Tamika, Mala, Caspia, Perla and um, Idira, I think that's how you pronounce it. I also believe that uh, there has been a bit more consideration given to the casting as each sister represents kind of different ethnicities, which then potentially suggest each of the seas a bit better. So in the live action, uh, the women reunite uh, with their father for the annual choral moon ceremony rather than the concert. So also, they help uh, clean up the kingdom after yet another kind of shipwreck, which may suggest that there's a bit a, a bigger role that they play in each sea that they represent. Who knows? But I think it's a nice touch. Oh, so 
There is also one noticeable change in uh, Prince Eric's backstory, which we do not see in the animated version. So the kind of the prince newly fascinated with exploring the outside world beyond the borders of his kingdom is fixated on sailing the wild uncharted waters beyond where um, they can see. When you're when your eyes outshine the horizon line. So that is actually um, a quote from uh, the song that we hear as well. So director Rob Marshall, producer and screenwriter, altered the storyline to give Eric and Ariel more things in common. So that was actually done intentionally. So now they share um, a kind of a burning curiosity and desire to break out of their representative bubbles. Uh, well, this is not the only thing they have in common. They are both hoarders, so collecting items from shipwrecks and souvenirs from their travels. Nevertheless, deepest sympathy for the cleaning staff in the castle and in the sea. There's a cleaning staff in the sea? Yeah, I mean, it's a kingdom. She's a princess. You can't just let dirty wishes lie in water. you got to do a bit of scrubbing too. Scrubbing in the sea. Uh, interesting. Interesting. It does sound interesting, though, that they have decided to give the side characters more to do in this film. And that they're not just background, have a bit more agency and depth to them. Yeah, very true. And there's actually another new character on that note that uh, we meet. It's the Queen. So, kind of following on from Eric's backstory, we learn that Eric was washed ashore as a baby and adopted by the royal family. I would like to mention here that Eric potentially is a cat with nine lives, considering that in his short life, he has gone down with the ship twice and was washed ashore or saved by Ariel. Sorry, I'm moving away from my point now. But uh, where was I? Um, Oh, yeah. So we never see the king in the movie. However, we meet the queen, like I already said. So the queen really functioned as a a grounding presence, I want to say, to her son's kind of youthful restlessness, uh, urging him to stay home and uh, tend to the kingdom uh, that he already has. So kind of as young goes, uh, he's constantly rebelling against his mother and is longing for an adventure that kind of ties in his character nicely with Ariel's motivation as well. So we have one bit that happens in the sea and then we have another one that happens on, on land. We also learn a little bit more about Ursula. So again, a character we we would have uh, seen before. I'm not entirely sure if her relationship to the rest of characters was explained in the animated version or if she's just an evil banished from the kingdom. Um, In the live action, we learn that she is King Triton's estranged sister. Given this new motivation behind her actions, she also adds a new ingredient to the potion she makes for Ariel to make her human. But I think uh, this is enough spoilers in this department. There's also some interesting facts about her appearance. So in the original, uh, she used to be half woman, half squid, meaning she had six tentacles rather than eight. Supposedly, This decision was made to cut down on the cost to animate her. Now, 
with this new budget, the sea witch can afford a full eight tentacles. Therefore, uh, she is an octopus rather than squid. And one final remark I want to make about the story. So Prince Eric's kingdom has gotten a bit of a makeover. So in the animated film, um, the unnamed realm of Mediterranean sensibility and the town square felt European in general. So I believe they have used similar village to the one in the original Beauty and the Beast. Recycling Disney. That's what we like. It's good for the environment. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're giving out about seas being cleaned. I wasn't giving out. It's just, uh, is there, a, is there a committee? Is there a union for the sea? Is you know what kind of hours do they work? How much of the sea do they need to clean? You know, things like that. I'll Cheaper unpaid Mariana trench labour. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can send a letter to King Tritons in a in a glass bottle to inquire further about uh, the livelihood of cleaning staff. Uh, but anyway. The live action version is resembling and reference Caribbean coast of Colombia and other Latin American countries. We still can't quite pinpoint the region on the map, but Ariel and Eric dance with the local uh, with the locals on the sandy uh, tropical beach. So that's where the kind of references are coming. I don't think I have anything to add story wise. I think she covered all the bases. Yeah, I do my research. Okay, so. Let's talk a little bit about the likes. This isn't Disney's first live-action remake of a classic animated film. So, how does this capture the aspects of the original? I think it's a good live-action remake. This is for a new generation, and it is very well put together as a film, I think. It understands the love of the original, but it doesn't try to ruin it. It doesn't try to, oh, we're going to change everything. Um... And the musical cues, I think, are are perfect. And the voice acting, very, very sharp. I think Ariel herself, Ariel, however you say her name, I think is excellent in the role. She's on top form. Um, But her supporting characters are very, very strong with her as well. Uh, They all bounce off each other well. So it does give off the vibe that they're all in a recording studio together, just chatting away where it wasn't. You record your line separately. You record your line separately and things like that. And I was a bit shocked, but Melissa McCarthy is playing Ursula in this. And normally I'm not a fan of Melissa McCarthy. She was actually pretty good here. <laughs> like, actually, I'm like, yeah, maybe she was just directed well. I'm not sure. And anyone that says, oh, but she was handed a better script. I'm like, come on, come on. Um, so, yeah, no, I, that's a huge winning point for me. Melissa McCarthy being an actual standout of the cast, um, except Halle Berry. Uh, no, it's not Halle Berry. It's Haley Bailey is the actress's name. Halle Berry. I keep getting the two of them mixed up. I think I think Halle Berry's reincarnated herself into Halle Bailey to take over the Little Mermaid film. But that's a theory for another day. I don't think she needed a magical potion to walk out of the ocean cinematically. No, no. She's she's well used to that. And the reference of my other favourite film franchise, I think she's done that before as well. So, what does this interpretation change in ways that people like? We've kind of discussed some of the differences, but really what kind of hit a bit more for you here? So... This, I believe, is more of Dex's department to discuss any changes. But 
to me, any live action movie, no matter how good or bad, it gives kind of a new life to old tale. Um, I always have a bit of a kind of bittersweet feeling about them because I grew up watching animated versions. So no matter what, no matter what controversies are brought up about uh, about um, the, you know, the animated versions by the public, I would still watch it and enjoy it, to be honest with you. Uh, it just gives a, a kind of a perfect opportunity to update a few things here and there, tailor it more towards contemporary audience, but keep the same message or lesson. So live action may feel at times like, I don't know, reheated burger, but who cares? As an adult, um, you will enjoy it uh, because you grew up on it and then new audience can experience the innocence of, of kind of Disney classics. But um, Dec, do you want to kind of dive deeper into the, the changes? I think with the changes, of, of, of course, it's a live action compared to an animated film. But judging from its budget and I suppose, you know, we may discuss it in our dislikes as well. It is kind of a nice, lighthearted kind of a feel, similar to the animated one, where I do think there is a new generation of fans that could watch this and they might get the same love as they would have for the animated version. You know, this this is kind of wel- welcoming in kind of a new range of fans, a new range of an audience and to use your point with the reheated burger, it's it's kind of like you're going to McDonald's. Sponsor us McDonald's, please. Uh, to get one burger, and that's your animated film. But then you're going to Burger King. Sponsor us Burger King. For your other burger. And this is what that feels. You're, they're in the same category. They're very different at the same time. But they're still good. I side with Burger King. <clears throat> Sponsor us as well, McDonald's. It's okay. Thank you very much. Goodbye. I do like McFlurries. <laughs> we all we, there's three of us here, so three McFlurries will do. Thank you. Double caramel, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll ring first to see if the machine is working that day. Just don't sue us. So another aspect, because this is a musical, how are the original songs used? Are there new songs? And if there are, how do they work for the film? Okay, so I want to start here with saying huge shout out to the actors who sang the old classics. I think they absolutely nailed it. So obviously the classic Under the Sea, which I believe won an Oscar back in the day, just still to this day makes you boogie in your seat the same way as the original. Of I'm course, boogieing right now. <laughs> so then of course we have Part of Your World um, that is sung by the actress uh, that plays Ariel and honestly she did a fabulous job yeah Halle Berry outstanding Halle Berry. well done you see I'm, I'm, I'm going to refer to her as the actress that plays Ariel because I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce her name that's okay it's Halle Berry <laughs> okay but uh, in terms of the other part of your question Key uh, the live action includes three new songs so for the first time um, is one of them I think it's alright very Beauty and the Beast I thought both live action and the animated there's the another one is Wild Uncharted Waters. So this one uh, was Prince Eric having his moment. I kind of get what they were trying to do with it, uh, but I'm not the biggest fan of this song, to be honest with you. And then we had the 
third song called Scuttlebutt. I absolutely loved Scuttle <laughs> having a bit of a rapping moment. It's just so different and it works for what it's supposed to do. It's I know they were trying something new in it. It very kind of puts a timestamp uh, on the live action with uh, with this song, whether, you know, uh, the producers uh, realize it or not. But I absolutely loved it. And I can, as I'm talking about it, I can totally hear it in my head. So another aspect is this is an underwater film. How is the CGI water? Is it a positive for the film, a negative? Compared to other movies with not real water, let's say, that have come out not too long ago, is it, I can't believe it's not water. Oh boy, I was afraid you would ask that question. I can see Deck fidgeting in his seat as he knows what I will say. Okay, so on the way back from the cinema, I was chatting with Deck about two movies that I have seen in a short period of time that deal with water elements. So we have this and then we have Cameron's Avatar Ways of Water. So with Avatar, you have this beautiful fictional underwater world that is done in such with such amount of details that you nearly believe it's real and then you have this it's like having the best italian tiramisu you ever tasted in your uh, in your life during a holiday you come back home and all you can get is a shortbread biscuit and kind of my first feeling was like really Cameron does this beautiful underwater shots, really push the medium and Little Mermaid takes the easy way out and the auto underwater scenes look like a local swimming pool with stickers. So we've put our notes together here and my co-hosts have put lecture on my note here to respond to this. It won't be a lecture, but I'll sum it up in an easy way. Do you, when you're going to a restaurant, do you want your 50 or steak or do you want a fast food burger? And with The Little Mermaid, it's your fast food burger. It's a nice, quick meal, satisfies you. You remember for a while, but would you go back again and watch it? Would, would you go again? You know, you might, you might not. It's a maybe. But with your 50 or steak... It stays with you. You should. It should stay with you if you're paying 50 euro for a steak. Now, look, this is, the, you know, we're in the European Union where we're recording this. So it might be 50 or $50 for a steak. You know, just saying. But you want to get your money's worth from it. And James Cameron, obviously, he, he's a sea expert, I guess, is the easiest way I'm going to describe him. He's an outstanding director. I suppose at times maybe he is a bit of a tyrant. But he does get the results. And with Avatar, even though it might not be the best film ever made, it does have some outstanding water shots in that. Where The Little Mermaid, it doesn't. There is some uncanny valleys at times with this. So to go back to my analogy, The Little Mermaid is your fast food. Your Avatar way of water is your 50 or steak. I'm loving it. And that's the end of the free portion of the lecture. Please subscribe to Unlock the Other Hour. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of Disney live action reinterpretations, The Lion King was criticised for how it portrayed animals. Has The Little Mermaid done any better in 
this department for its sea life and how they're represented? So continuing from my previous rant, uh, the underwater scenes are shocking, which makes me even more angry because Scuttle, Sebastian and Flounder were beautifully done. There has been a lot of consideration given uh, to make underwater creatures look kind of real, you know, as much as it was possible, of course. Um, like you have Sebastian, who has the correct number of legs, 10, including the two pinchers. The animated Sebastian had eight, including the, the pinchers. Supposedly at the time, same as Ursula, Ursula um, it was much easier to animate. I mean, does it really make a huge difference to animate additional two legs? We have to admit Sebastian went through a bit of a facelift compared to the 90, 1989 version, and I quite like it. Um, we also have Scuttle is now a female northern gannet diving bird who is able to go underwater and swim with Ariel, where in the original version, uh, Scuttle is actually a seagull. So, I mean, come on, this is a movie about mermaids and the thing you're kind of worried about is somebody telling you that some bird cannot swim. Look, you know, it depends where you want to have your priorities. So I already mentioned a bit about Ursula, that she's now an octopusy. So I also think King Triton's crown was made from shark teeth to make it more realistic. I mean, it does make sense. Uh, he is a king of the sea. Um, Deck, kind of anything from your side? No. Animals were good. Me like the animals. <laughs> and there's me pouring my heart out, my, my soul, my research, the sense of my life. And so on to some of our dislikes. Does this film feel lacking in bringing life into this story now? Were some characters in this version not as strong as they were in the classic one for people? Visually, it does have its moments, but it is kind of plain. It is a bit... Mm, meh. Kind of a feeling, and back to my original analogy, it was like a fast food burger at times. You know, I had a lot of fun with it. But otherwise it is kind of forgetful. And I do think the supporting cast is a lot stronger here than in the animated version. But it just feels so by the numbers. Hit, hit your beats and that's it. You're done. So, yeah. I have to agree with Deck on, on this one. I, I, I had fun uh, watching it at the cinema, don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's kind of something I'll be rushing to, to see again anytime soon. Now... I do have to say one thing I did not like, um, and it's not about the kind of movie itself, but how much hatred the actress got for being casted as Ariel. I believe the director said that their priority was to find the best matching personality, and I think they absolutely nailed it. Like, they, they nailed the character. So why the hate? I nearly feel afraid to admit I love the actress in case I start an argument. <laughs> Uh, just off of that, I have heard from different sources that this film has been quite good for young children of colour and half-caste kids. That some parents have even written into different shows to say that their kids really felt represented. Uh, that their kids felt really represented on screen for 
maybe not necessarily the first time, but a definitely meaningful time in a Disney movie. And I don't think that can be underestimated. Yeah, and I think that's that's what kind of makes it different from the original animated version because obviously the, at the time when it was made, even kind of, you know, society was different. Whereas now we're, we're trying to be more inclusive in all aspects of life. So I don't think the director done anything wrong by representing uh, different ethnicities. And I actually think it was spot on and I quite liked that. Mermaids are fictional characters. Does it matter the colour of her skin? She's a good enough actor. She can play the part. But that is my point exactly. And that's what the director was trying to say. They were trying to find the best fitting character for the role. And that is exactly what they have done. And yeah, no harm that the Disney princess is based on ability and not complexion. Yes, very, very true. Right, trivia time. I have been slashing in a few kind of trivia points into my review already, but let's cover the rest. So there's a little cameo in the movie. Uh, Jodie Benson, who voiced Ariel in 1989 version, appears as the person who gives Ariel a... Dingle Hopper or the fork during uh, her and Princess Eric's tour of the market. So I don't know why, but the word Dingle Hopper <laughs> makes me laugh every time I say it. It's like, you know, it's like a combo of dancing because of the hair. It's just like, you know, hanging and there's the, the hopper um, because, you know, you curl them and they go hopping. You get it? Like, you know, anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. I'll work on those. Oh, I will. I will work on the jokes. So I already mentioned that the the kingdom is set somewhere in the Caribbean. However, the movie itself was filmed in Sardinia, where both myself and Deck were holidaying recently, and it is also done in London's Pinewood Studios. Pinewood Studios does link into all those octopusy jokes because that is the studio where the James Bond films are filmed as well. There you go. I made the connection without even knowing it. Yeah, see? Okay, believe it or not, but there is a meaningful release date as well. So the movie's release date um, was May 26th, uh, which connects with the month of May being coined as Mermaid. You get it? Mermaid. Um, by mermaid uh, fascinates, I suppose. Uh, that's what's being called. Uh, where every May, many people draw mermaid versions of many creatures and characters and post them on social media. Like, is it like, may the force be with you? <laughs> may the fourth? Mermaids are allowed to have their holiday as well, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, prior to the casting of, is it Javier? Javier. Javier. Um, Javier Bardem. Uh, Terry Crews uh, campaign, campaigned for the role of King Triton. I mean, I am weak, absolutely weak for the man. And all I could see is the is his improv in The White Chicks. And I'm wondering, where would he go with that in Little Mermaid? Yeah. I I like Javier Bardem, but I suddenly want Terry Crews to just be re- like, just remake the film again, 
Take Bardem out, put Cruz in. The exact same film, but just put Terry Cruz in. Just to see what kind of a film it might be. I mean, think how much time you'd save. White Chicks was a one-take marvel of music, so... I, it would have all ended yeah. up. Yep. No, he would have been fun in that role, for sure. For sure. For those who are new to our podcast, we have a plain and simple rating system, and it goes a little something like this. Don't see it. We have seen it, and we are trying to protect you from wasting your time. It's something that we can't quite recommend. We don't see a path to that recommendation. Moving up from that, we have a maybe see it. We're a bit undecided on it. Take it or leave it. It's something that there's something there to see, but you're not quite sure if it'll be something for everyone, so you don't want to straight up give that plain recommendation. And finally, at the top, we have See It. This is something we see as a masterpiece. It's something that you should see. You'll be missing out on a hidden gem otherwise. Just a disclaimer here. All ratings are subjective to each host and they're based on our own likes and experiences from having seen the film and reflecting upon it. Uh, Claudia, would you like to start? Um, Okay, so for me, Little Mermaid is maybe see it. If you want a bit of a, a blast from the past and a fresh take on an old tale, go for it. I do enjoy the live actions uh, and this is just... Uh, this kind of just slots in nicely with the rest of them. I will kind of get over James Cameron not directing this one. Yeah, Cameron was busy whether he's with the Avatar six, 3. 60 Avatar sequels that he's doing at the moment, I think. And for myself, I'm in the camp of maybe see it. I enjoyed it a lot, but it maybe not for everyone. If you enjoyed the original, then you would enjoy this, I think. And it's definitely one of the better live-action Disney remakes in the last few years. And it shows having talent all around. Everyone is quite passionate about this. They they do want to get the best film out there, which is always a good sign. It's not just a cash-grab remake or anything like that. Well, saying that, it is a maybe-see-it. Okay, and as for myself, having not seen it yet, I can't give my rating on the podcast. But as a bit of an interesting change up of the formula based on what I've heard here today I'm going to make my judgment call on where I'm going to see it or not and I think I will dum, 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 dum. see it on Disney Plus hey <laughs> hey sponsor us Disney we were talking nice about your film so to close out I think this was a fun exercise to decide on a film in this podcast and it kind of helps logistics-wise if one of us can't make it to a show. To our listeners, let us know if you would like to see similar podcasts show up every now and then in the future. 